before we jump into 1 Peter, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so very much for gathering us together again this morning. And Father, even as we contemplate and prepare to look into these words that uh, were penned by Peter, we ask, Lord, that you would give us your guidance, that your Holy Spirit would um, reveal to us that which you have for us to gain. And, uh, and with that in mind, Lord, that with everything we are, are receiving from these words, that uh, there is in fact a turnaround where you would long for us to then also bless others. So help us, Father, to receive and then also to give. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, First Peter, did you spend any time on this handout? Any questions or just in preparation? Okay, great. Well, First Peter chapter 4 what we're looking at this morning. And so first, just some backdrop again, to just make sure we're kind of all on the same, same wavelength. I'm going to read starting in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result... He does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised. Through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So one of the things I, you know, we've mentioned this before, one of the things I, I really enjoy about Peter is he's just got these like bullet points. I mean, this could almost be just his outline, right? Bullet point after bullet point, one sentence and on to the next and on to the next. And, uh, and he's just ramping up all kinds of different pieces for us to consider. And each one of these statements could almost be taken in and of itself and, and explored a little more deeply. The other thing I've mentioned repeatedly is the perspective that Peter is wanting us to adopt. And uh, as you are aware, you know, there's a difference between adaptation and adoption. Adaptation is where we have our thing going, and if we get one more bit of good advice or information or something to consider, we might add it to what we're already doing. But adoption changes everything, right? Adoption changes everything, and it happens in a moment, right? That adoption, I mean, both our kids, we've said before, both Shelby and Joshua are adopted, and boy, when we signed on the dotted line, said, we are their parents, 
that was a moment in time that has lasted right now for 20 plus years for Shelby and 15 plus years for Joshua. So adoption is this long time process. One of the things I think Peter's wanting to, to do is adopt this perspective of adoption saying, it's not just that you do something, check the box and go on, but that it's, this is lifelong stuff that he's talking about. And that's the context that he opens chapter four with when he says, therefore, he says, there's been this significant change in who you are. And so you're not like the pagans, although that's what you used to do. Yeah. That's what you used to be. That's what he says pretty clearly. That's what your life used to consist of, how you used to live, how you used to think, how you used to believe. But there's been a change. And that change will be a growing process now that continues the rest of your life on earth. And even he says, the people around you, right, they will come to you and say, why aren't you doing the same things you've always done? And it'll be for different reasons. Sometimes it'll be out of judgment, right? They'll be thinking, what makes you so special that you're not doing the same things that we've always done? Or, what, do you think you're too good for us now? That kind of thing. Or it might be, there's a, something different about you and the way you act and the way you treat people. And the, there's something different. Either way, you saw here from Peter, he says, there might be not only uh, some pressure from those others to say, why won't you plunge into it? See the, how, how graphic the word is that Peter uses plunge into the same patterns of life from before. Now, so there'll be one force working on you, the external force. Why won't you plunge back into those things? There's the internal, still wanting to do those old things, live the, the old way. Because what Peter's talking about is a, a life of, of continual growth and change. That even ourselves, we really, I think what Peter would say to us, and this is a law point, undoubtedly, I think what he's saying to us is, you should look back on your life a year ago and be different today. You should look back on your life six months ago and be different today. And we should anticipate that another six months will be different than we are right now. If that's not happening, I think Peter's saying, then something's not right. Something's not right. And he's inviting us with this perspective then to say, am I seeing it? Am I aware of it? But many times we're not even aware of it ourselves. And we need somebody else to help us see it. And then how do we receive it? That's the question. And what do we do with it? So Peter is, is kind of, he, he was getting ready to wrap up his letter. And so he's kind of saying, now I just want to make sure I'm clear on a few things. And, and one of them is, we left an old life behind. The question for us is, can we identify that old life and that we have grown? Steve? I was going to say, it's interesting as I've gotten older, I used to think of concepts of college of right and wrong, good and bad, and whatnot. And as I've gotten older, it's, it's way, way beyond that. In the scriptures, it's life and death. The decisions I look back over there, I was dealing, when he says you were uh, drunkenness, whatever, all, all the goofiness that you'd lived in, you're living in death and you don't even know it. Mm -hmm. You're in rebellion. Uh, it's like an ignorance. And as I look back over there, it's a gift for the older people to say, hey, this right here is, uh, you know, you look over things of, uh, well, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, you're right, what, whatever little goofy argument you have. 
but at 50 years later, I can see the dividend of what it would have brought or what it did bring me. And uh, th those are those are horrendous consequences many times. Well, if I'm hearing you correctly, Steve, some of what you're describing, I mean, there's the wisdom that's passed on, right? That's part of it. Yeah. Some of it is based on who we are, and we make certain choices. Oh, man. And so it's, it starts with, again, who we are. That leads us to, I'm going to make this decision in this circumstance and another decision in the next circumstance. And you can see the outcomes later on. When you're older. Yeah. But we're making those kinds of decisions every day whether you know it or not right whether we're contemplating it intentional about it we're still making those decisions and they are life and death decisions even as you were speaking about that steve it reminded me of the proverbs where solomon writes that the words we speak have the power of life and death and yet i wonder how often the words just escape our mouths without any thoughtfulness and peter here is saying that can't be the perspective would be, everything I am comes out then in what I say and do and how I think and how I treat others, the decisions I make, the path I take today. It's, and there's a compounding, I think, Steve, I, if, when you use the word dividend, I mean, there's a compounding. Well, it will come. Yeah. And it, that also grows. And Peter's counting on that, actually. On, on the good side. As he, yes, as he talks about some other things to come. So, any thoughts, comments on that? Because, again, I'm just kind of prefacing, and I feel for me maybe it's because I'm only here every other week, and I feel like I just want to make sure we're all still going the same direction. But, uh, so again, you know, Peter is, is inviting us, but I think even here he's telling us this perspective is paramount, and we can't be ignorant of it. And it's, he really, in number seven, verse seven, he says, the end of all things is at hand. Mm -hmm. That's my ESV. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, <clears throat> that really livens your perspective when you, when, you, when you say, oh, it's it's down the road somewhere, you know, there's retirement down there. Well, you know, there's that, the, the sunset's going to happen one of those years and all that. And the, he says, it's, it's, be aware, it could be right now. It's at hand, so you always have to be anticipating not saying, well, I'll get it done later, you know, I can change later, or whatever the decision you're going to make. I'll review that a little bit later, you know. Uh, no, you better be, better have your game going on. I appreciate you pointing that out for us, Jim. Because, again, that is <coughs> Peter's perspective. And he's like, there's no time to delay. No well, time to delay. And we do, as humans, take that for granted. Because we're always like, there's always a tomorrow and everything. But there's so many times that... You do not know if today is your last day. That's why they tell you, you know, forget the past. You can't change it, and you can't change the future. And you don't know if the future is actually going to happen. You only have today to, to live with what, you, what your life is going to be. Yeah, so I think, and, and if I'm hearing you right, Jess, sometimes we live our lives, not like there's always tomorrow, mm -hmm. like you were pointing out, Jim. We'll get to it later. There's always time. But we're writing checks that we don't know they can be paid for. Is that the right way to say that? Yeah. Yes. I mean, if we're not being diligent and intentional about what God's calling us to do here today, and he, you know, he says this other places too, I mean, as long as today is called today, encourage one another. I mean, that's because tomorrow is, you, you can't bank on it. That's my idea. I mean, you can't write checks on tomorrow. Tomorrow may not happen. And if Except you're doing that, that. old joke about putting the check in the coffin. Yeah. <laughs> right? See how that works, yeah. 
Um, and so again, you know, now is Peter wrong? The end of all things is at hand? Or is he writes here in this new and It's always at hand. Always. And that's the beauty of it, is we are always to live. As if it's right now. As if it's a, The problem is staying that focused, mm -hmm. that intentional about it. Um, the other thing, too, to keep in mind, so if you are taking notes, what special reason does Peter give readers for keeping close to God in prayer? Well, that's what, what Jim has just pointed out for us. Now, one of those reasons, there's, there's numerous reasons throughout Scripture, but Peter's saying one of them is that the end is near. So that should, that should kind of clear up the focus a little bit and, and motivate us in the right direction. When all of a sudden, because then all of a sudden everything gets really important. It gets really important. So we talk about stress all the time, right? It's all around us. And we actually have found that there are some stresses that are beneficial. <coughs> Deadlines, for example, can be very beneficial. The stress of a deadline, because it can be motivating. April right? 15th. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is tomorrow, Jess. But see, you've already taken care of it. You don't care about April 15th. It's just another day on the calendar. <laughs> Um, but point, you know, absolutely, it changes things. Well, you get focused when the deadline is there. I can't tell you how many people I've heard say, well, I work better under pressure. Right? <laughs> I work better under pressure. And it's true. We tend to work better under pressure. That stress helps us focus. It ramps up the energy. It gives us, you know, intentionality. We prioritize better. And yet Peter is saying... Every day is April 15th. <laughs> Every day, because it's the day is near. And so, do we live that intentionally? That's why it's a law point. I mean, it's, it's really questioning us. Do we live that intentionally? Or do we just start to go through the motions with everything else? What do you do with people that, that do live uh, I know people over there that always have a joy of the Lord. Well, you met, you met uh, Robert Slaughter over there. This guy, I've known him for 40 years, and he's always got a Bible verse or a joy over there. You're going, man, I don't know if I can take it anymore. There's, you know, it's just like being greased every day. So but, it's almost like it's too intense? Well, it, it, if you're not used to it. <laughs> yeah. I just, but uh, the thing of it is, uh, in, in, the, in the scriptures where it says uh, that uh, you don't know when you're, you're going to pass on or whatnot, but how many people says you know, the Lord is slow in, his, in the coming of the Lord, but in your life... I'm going to be uh, 68 next year, almost 70. I look back on my life, and it's just like a flash. It's like a snap of a fingers. And I, I just, I could go through the thing over there, and I just look back and says, I feel like I'm 25. Well, you're not. You're going to be 75, and you're moving towards the kingdom, whether you want to or not. And I'm just, I'm just, you know, how do you do that? Do you do it with joy, or do you do it with dread? Yeah. And I was well, just going to say that it's, it's a, uh, because everyone's going to give an account. They're, I don't have to worry about that. That's that's. that's well, in fact, happen. that's what we have it right here in our exactly in our creed. We read it, it right? Yeah, you, you're right there. To him who is ready to judge the living and, and the, the dead. That's, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, and that will be Jesus Christ Himself. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So good point. Now I was talking with Michael Hellman. I don't know how many of you know Michael Hellman. Um, plays French horn in the symphony, and he and his wife Sandra. They have two little boys, and uh, their youngest is just turning one this week. Yeah, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And I was visiting with him this morning, and he says, you know, it feels like it should be three months. <laughs> and he even made the correlation of the, you know, the contrast between his first son and his second son, how it felt even different and how it goes faster, it yeah. seems to be. So if that's the case, I mean, how are, we, how are we, are we just marking time? Are we just doing tomorrow what we did today? 
um, or it's yesterday. What's oh yeah, <laughs> that's why. Yeah. True enough, true enough. The other thing that I'd like to point out with what Peter says here, as far as the end of all things is at hand or is near, is not only is he true. I mean, Jesus Christ, Christ could return at any time. Jesus Christ said that himself. You know, only the Father knows when. But be prepared. Watch, and pray, which is part of our question, right? What special reasons does Peter give his readers to pray? Watch and pray. One, Jesus said to do it. Two, because he could return at any time. And maybe I've done this with you guys before. If I have, please I apologize in advance. But on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being absolutely certain, 1 being a huge question mark, how certain are you that Jesus Christ will return? 10. You almost say it like Mary, come on. <laughs> of course, it's a 10. <laughs> 10. Same scale, 1 to 10. How many of you think he might return this afternoon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Peter's saying it should be a 10. And we would live that way. That's what Peter's saying. And not only that, he's saying because everything that is necessary to be done before Christ can return has been done. Christ has finished his work on the cross. He's raised from the dead. He is King and Lord, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, will come back. I mean, that's all that's left is for him to come back. And so when Peter says the end of all things is at hand, it's, I think it's a both and. One is, he could return today, and, and that should be a ten. And it shouldn't be fearful. For the believer, hopeful. Relief. So, you know, almost so much so that tomorrow it's like, well, maybe today. Almost, you know, he didn't come back yesterday, but maybe today. Is that a law point or a gospel point? Because basically, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a gospel point for you, but if you're, you know, if you're praying for your friends and loved ones that don't know Christ... Then it's, it's also, an urgency law point. Well, well it, it is, but it's also a mercy thing. He's given another day of opportunity for those that, uh, that don't know the Lord that globally. Right. And, and so basically, I would, would it be both or just one? It's both. Yeah, that's what I would assume, but... Yeah. Just like Paul can say, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Right. Now, Paul was in that moment speaking personally about himself and his own relationship with God. And he says, for me to die, I'm in the presence of, of Christ. That's great gain. Right? But to stay here is also good too because I'll minister another day and show mercy and, and hopefully introduce one more person to the Savior. So he's like, to live as Christ, to die as gain, I'm golden either way. Peter, I think, is saying... Now, broadly, he's not speaking about himself necessarily, but he's speaking about all believers. <coughs> so that we can all say, to, to live another day is another day to show mercy, another day to proclaim the grace and gifts of God and Christ. But if, if he returns, that's great too, because I'm in Christ. And i got nothing but rejoicing ahead of me. So yes, both hands. In, in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we also pray for thy kingdom come. Mm -hmm. And thy will be done. Amen. Yeah. He also tells us to pray the Lord come quickly. Yeah. And then he also tells us to pray that God is patient one more day, that none would perish. So we're living in tension all the time. And that's the life of the believer. You know. I forget who's saying it, should I stay or should I go? Mm -hmm. But I mean that's I stay or I go? Yeah. <laughs> but 
I mean, the believer is like, boy, I'd love to be in heaven. But as long as I'm here, and then Peter's going to launch into you, but as long as you're here, this is what we need to be spending our time on. And so, the end, and, and like Jim pointed out for us, Peter has set the stage for us yet again and said, everything I'm going to say next really needs to be in the context of the day is near. So he says, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. It almost sounds like he's saying if you're not those things, if you're not clear-minded, self-controlled, prayer is not going to work well for you. Any thoughts on that? If you're not in, if you're not in your right mind and you're just in rebellion and doing your own thing, it would seem like you wouldn't be able to hear the Lord anyway because He's not really, uh, He's not the master of your life. He's not, you know, you're just doing your thing. You can't hear even if you if He walked up and talked to you. Probably the pastor could use somebody and say, "This is what ABC," and you wouldn't be able to hear it or understand it because you're so busy doing your <coughs> thing. You, it's almost like you get hit in the head and it wouldn't be enough. Mm -hmm. So kind of, I think you're saying two things, Steve. Is one, you're not prepared to listen, therefore you're probably not speaking to Him either. Yeah. I mean, if you're living in rebellion and those kind of things, you're not going to spend any time praying. I have to daily. I have to get this spiritual earwax out of my ear so I can hear daily, and I do that. Yeah. I mean, just to get my priorities straight. Okay, that's certainly one thing. Anything else? Clear and sober-minded, self-controlled, so that you can. I mean, he's really talking about an ability here. As Peter writes these words, he's saying so that you are able to pray. Does God mind if we ramble in our prayers? No. He doesn't mind. It's a good thing. <laughs> Jesus does tell us not to try and convince him with a lot of words, right? Or to show off with a lot of words. But sometimes we just got so many things, our heart, our head is just kind of over. So a little rambling happens. I tell him to scroll on it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's good thing he already and, knows. And he listens. <laughs> and here's the thing, though. He listens intently, and you can be guaranteed of that. He didn't ever just check out and say, oh, I'll wait for the squirrel to come back. <laughs> he listened intently. He doesn't go get to the point. No. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there's no time in him. He already legit. knows you're ending yeah. your prayer. He can work backwards. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore certain parts. Perfect, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's in my heart. Please fulfill Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I missed a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, my daughter, whenever she gets a new book or novel or whatever, she reads the last chapter first to see if it's worth reading the book. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. But anyway, so yeah, so, that was, so God's like, I know the end of this prayer. I'll go ahead and listen. <laughs> so, anything any else? No, those are good points, right? But what else? Because, again, an ability. I think what he's talking about here when he says, Clear-minded, self-controlled, is that we understand who we are in Christ. Who we are maybe without Christ, but who we are definitely in Christ. And that's why we can pray. That's why God hears our prayers. We have Christ as our advocate. We have the Holy Spirit who prays on our behalf. We, and it's the Holy Spirit who enables us to pray. And so I think it's really a clear understanding of who we are in Christ. As you pointed out, Steve, sinners who needed redeeming. Amen. Sinners who have been redeemed. 
And so we can, we don't come in our own merit. I think that's the thing. We don't come in our own name. We come in the name that was placed on us in our baptism. We don't come in it with our own agendas or our work, you know, that we've earned this listening ear. But we come humil in humility. And so it changes the way we pray. So again, therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that we can pray. And I think this, this um, it's both, again, I mean, Peter is a, a, a master at including law gospel in the same statement. Because I, I was just hinting at some law there, right? <clears throat> and yet there's the great gospel that God listens intently, lovingly. And then there's other law points, though, because we look through the scriptures and, and very clearly... God will tell us at different points. But if you're going to do it this way, like again, the Pharisee who thought he was something, that thought he could come to God on his own terms and in his own um, works, Jesus says, it wasn't him who went home justified. The, you know, so if you come to God in pride and arrogance, that's not going to go well. Or there's another one, another passage. In fact, it's also Peter, I think, in the second um Anyway, Peter says, Make sure, husbands, that you are treating your wives well. Otherwise, God will not listen to your prayers. I mean, that just... Make sure I'm treating my wife, Teresa, well if I want God to answer, to listen to me in my prayers. And so, there's... Be clear-minded. Does he ever say the opposite, though? No. Yeah. Says your wife shall obey and well actually it didn't say well it may might in some but I think respect is probably yeah. and so you know the, with the, res, the respect over there I think that it, it's a little more gentler than obey. <laughs> I know I know pastors uh, uh my when we got married Marilyn over there she, he took it out he wouldn't even say love honor and obey he just says love and honor your wife no. you don't need to throw obey and if you're loving and honoring oh, okay know. very good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, th I thought that was interesting over there because an old, an old, being an old dog, yeah. you know, it was, uh, uh, and I thought that was wise. Sure. We could get into a whole long discussion about that. But what I, what I want to just clarify is, Jim, if I took your question literally and intent, there is no other verse that says that if for a, a wife she needs to be in good con um, honoring her husband if she wants God to hear her prayers. It is, that one is reserved. Now, of course, it does talk about the loving and honoring and respecting mutually, submitting to one another, is what Paul says in Ephesians. Um, but that's a, yeah. sure, we can probably travel that, that bunny trail for a while. <laughs> uh, but, it, but again, just when we're talking this clear, clear-minded and humility and for sort of be able to pray. Because what God's going to look at that and say, you just, you, know, you just spoke to your wife that way and now you want me to listen to you? Maybe I'm being a little too vernacular there, but I think, I think that's, that's the funny. idea. I think that's what God is saying. You treated your wife with dishonor, but now you expect me to honor you? I, think. I was laughing over there. Bill Hayes came through about in the 80s. He, says every, he was dealing on spiritual authority. He says, every wise man listens to the wise counsel of his wise wife, or I wish he would have. <laughs> I, was, I always thought that was like, I thought, boy, there's, there's some meat there. You better yeah. be paying attention, buttercup. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. We're going to keep moving on. Question two takes us a little deeper. It says, besides sane and sober or clear-minded and sober prayer, what else should we make a priority in our daily lives? If, if Christ's return is at hand, 
Because that's what Peter again means. At the end of all things, Christ returns. Um, well, then we should make certain things a priority in our daily lives. Because we've got a deadline every day. New deadline every day. So what do you say next? Above all. But Peter just does not leave it alone. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So where do we go with this one? Above all. That's the last great command anyways from Jesus. Yeah. Our job is to love others. So what is that? How does that look? Well, it's self-fulfilling. I mean, if if you're loving somebody, it's hard to not have the other laws just happen. So you're even, it sounds like, Brett, you're even including this, that love covers a multitude of sins, mm-hmm. right? It's a blanket over the sins. It's the forgiveness that covers all the sins because you love. And what's the, what's the, found, so if that's the blanket, what's the foundational piece to that? What makes it even a reality? Because Christ so loved us and God so loved us, he gave his only son to exactly. forgive us our sins. Yeah. He was our blanket. So, right, I love that. You know, we talk about the robe of Christ, but a blanket that covers. And so the idea here is that, as Peter's talking here, it's not that we ignore. Love doesn't just say we ignore it or condone or approve or deny or minimize or any of those kinds of things. What Peter is saying is we will also be motivated. And I think, Tina, if I heard you correctly, we will also be motivated because of that foundational piece that Christ's love, you know, God's love for us sent his son to die on the cross for us so that forgiveness is real. As a counselor, how often do you find over there where you've run into counseling situations where people are unable to receive love? Um, all the time, Steve, and therefore thinking, unable to uh, I mean, you can't get unable to receive forgiveness. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing, this would just be a foreign language because they wouldn't be able to understand that their love, <coughs> is, there's, there's acceptance, love, acceptance, forgiveness. And uh, I was just going to say in our world, uh, the hostile jamming and just the confusion is it to me it looks like it's rampant i mean you're un- they can't they, they won't or they won't it's just a, a a hodgepodge of unable to to be jammed the the receptors just don't go through and i think what peter is addressing here is that why he says above all love one another deeply because it's almost a convincing because it'd be easy to say well they didn't receive it okay pass on whatever but I think what Peter is saying is here, we love so deeply, we, com- we forgive completely, because that's what Jesus Christ does. His love, his sacrifice, complete. And so we can l- forgive completely. But it becomes now, it is my, above all else, I am going to love you, hoping that you will receive it. Because that's, that's the heart of Christ. Christ's heart is revealed in these words. His desire is that we would know. Paul says it this way in Ephesians, I pray that you would know the height and depth and width and length of God's love for you. Because we, yeah, we don't receive well. And we certainly don't receive forgiveness well. And, and so it's, how do, we, how do we do this for other people? That's what Peter's saying is, let's do this for other people. Let's show them how deeply they are loved. In fact, then he goes on and gets real specific. He says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So let me go back. I just want to summarize a couple of things that I forgot to mention. Think about Peter for a moment. Because he's 
drawing now, he's writing this letter, drawing on his own experiences with Christ and in life. When did he fail to be clear-minded in prayer? Did anybody think of a time? Probably when he denied him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there they are in the garden. Jesus says, pray. He specifically says, pray. He goes off to it by himself for a little bit, comes back, and what's Peter doing? Sleeping. Yeah. Not very clear-minded. You know, and three times Jesus comes back and has to wake him up every time. And finally he says in the end, time's up. And Peter says, and the time is at hand. Peter knows what it's like to have time run out on the opportunity to pray. And so he's, I mean, I think he's just sharing his heart with us here. He says, don't be caught unawares because you don't know when you'll run out of time to pray. Been there and done that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure he's thinking if I had been praying instead of sleeping, what would, have, would something else have happened? Yeah. Now, by God's grace, mm -hmm. He turns all things that are, whatever they are, into good. And we might not have this letter the way it's written, otherwise. But Peter's just—I think he's pleading with us. Think of it this way, because been there, done that. And then, when he goes on and talks about this above all else. You know, the word there, the, our English word, can kind of get lost in translation. Above all else, right? Above, do these things. But what it really, what Peter is describing with his language, the Greek language there, is this is your driving passion. It is number one, always on your mind. You could, I mean, everywhere you are, this is what you're thinking about. That's, that's what he's talking about. Like there is no greater driving force. And, uh, so that's when he says above all else. So again, that's a, a motivational piece for us. Do we share that <coughs> with Christ and then with Peter above all else? And running out of time. So let's, uh, let's talk about this, the hospitality piece then, without grumbling. What do you think of, what comes to mind when you think of hospitality? Wow, that's pretty broad, Tina. I mean, at first, when I think of hospitality, I think of, like, you know, Christmas. <laughs> we'll have a few people over at Christmas, you know. <laughs> you know? I was thinking anytime you have someone over. Yeah. So. Dinner or. Oh, okay. Showing hospitality. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I was thinking, like, birthday parties or whatever, you know. But, but no, what you pointed out, I think what you're both agreeing on is for people in need, you know, for any really occasion, just any time you have people in your home. Could include home? Yeah. But what you said there is opening up your heart. Mm -hmm. Not to pour out necessarily. We're already talking about that. We've already done that in the loving. Mm -hmm. So I think it becomes a, here, I'll open up my heart to love you. And in so doing, I'm actually inviting you in mm -hmm. to an open heart to, to express hospitality. What do you do? Um, I was uh, having uh, lunch with a pastor one time. I looked up at the wall over there and it said, friends, family, and fish stink after three days. And this is the pastor. And I'm thinking... <laughs> That's in his home? They, no, it was, it, was a, it was a comical oh, sign he oh, had okay. in, in his thing. And I had to laugh to myself. I was thinking, boy, it sounds like 
being hospitable, there, there must be a power charge here after just three <laughs> days, you know, there's a limit. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that was kind of comical. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's got an expiration date on it. Um, but I, I think, Jess, you've touched on something important here because we can open up. I think it, and Peter's going to go on and, and we're going to get this last one and then finish up with it. I think he is including our homes, but it, it's our lives. It's all the time. I like where you put something without crumbling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's the law point. <laughs> I mean, because there's like sometimes, just there's times that I'll see certain cases on my day, and I'm just like, what? This patient shouldn't be seeing me. It's not appropriate for this visit and things like that, because um, it's not con continuity care and type things like that. But then when I walk in, I have to remember that they're here. God put them here for a reason for that moment. For in your day. life. Yeah. And you in their life. Yeah, so I have to remember to stop the grumbling before and just remember God placed everybody there for that reason and open up a little more to it. Yeah, I have to wonder if Peter's not like, because if you grumble, it really kind of negates the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, Pastor said a really good thing a couple weeks ago is that when we are complaining, we're not, we're not listening. We don't hear God in our complaints. Mm -hmm. So when we're so busy complaining about how everything's not going the way we want it, we're missing God speaking to us. And that's and in that every... Like, that was like... Bam, yeah. home. And that's in every relationship. Mm -hmm. As soon as we start complaining, we're not listening. Mm -hmm. To whoever might be speaking. Mm -hmm. And then you miss out on <clears throat> some of the blessings, I think, too. Mm -hmm. and, like, I struggled with it this week. I mean, and I'm just going to, I mean, and this is going to sound really rude, but um, it's true. Like, I just had one of these weeks where there's a certain um, religious group in town that their culture I just find completely obnoxious and problems. I just can't, I'm really annoyed with the LDS church. And I just had this week, I was just like almost to the point where this is so obnoxious and I just, I want to move, like I don't even want to live here anymore. And God had to really speak to me and just say, well, sometimes you're obnoxious. And the disciples were obnoxious. And, and like, that's what it means to love. Like, even when you find that it's like to the point where you're just completely annoyed and you just want to move, like... You're stealing my thunder. I was just to, uh, just to myself. I mean, it's really. I feel bad, and I almost felt guilty that I, I'm like almost a point. Where I'm like, oh, I cannot stand. This that's is a so true, That's a true gift, though. He's given you because at least you you know how you feel about it. A lot of people they hide it. They won't don't want to address yeah, it. Yeah. So I've been and, struggling with that this week, and I know it's yeah. not almost the point. I attended it at that feeding the five thousand, you know, and I almost I almost let it spill over. I think into that, and then I finally God just had to really speak to me and say, you just need to. These are awesome people, and you just need to love them and not be so annoyed. And, you know, and the things I'm annoyed about really aren't even all that annoying, honestly. It, it's stuff that I should just be. It shouldn't matter. But. You know, <laughs> you've given us so much. Right at the <laughs> bell, Amber. I mean, right at the bell. Yeah. Yeah. She Latter-day Saints, sorry, but I just, I really struggled with it this yeah. week. For I just had some interactions that I was put out with. And complaining? So, but I was complaining. Yeah, yeah. I think what I hear you saying and what's, what's um, worthy of confessing, which I just heard. Yeah, I'm sorry. And <laughs> no, and it's receiving, true. Amber, and My receiving, receiving forgiveness. Um, because complaining, as Tina brought up for us, it closes your ears. Mm -hmm. Complaining also closes your heart. 
Hospitality is a matter of listening, too. Yeah, it is. And you find yourself falling into patterns. Like, when everyone else around you, like, I find when when everyone else around me at my my workspace or whatever is constantly complaining and grumbling, Mm -hmm. you slow, it slowly beats at you, and you start being like that. And you forget Mm -hmm. that that's not the way you're supposed to be. And they think it's strange that you do not <laughs> plunge into the same, <laughs> right? Right, serious. And it's, it's hard. Peter, read your mind. <laughs> My position where I work, I, I people assume it like a sense of authority in me. And um, so I hear a lot. And at one point, I did have, a, have the authority. And I that hear everything from everyone. And then it's so hard for me to just remain neutral and say, okay, well, let's just give it a chance. Let's move forward. And then I find myself falling in that pit. And then you regret it afterwards. You're like, gosh, here I go again. Yeah. It's not it's easy. It's stay positive. It, it, it is so yeah. hard. It when very is it. hard. To well, especially when you know you agree with them. <laughs> and there the other shoe drops. Okay. <laughs> Which is why we need to be clear-minded and pray. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry. We got to wrap up. I think that's the biggest thing is that I had to spend time because I've been there and done, and I have to ask God just to give me the foresight to see where I can help heal things, or at least heal my heart of how I feel about things, and. Because God's put you in this position mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. allow you to maybe be there for something that you don't know you're there for. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I am longing in my own heart to just continue this conversation because you let us just right into the next thing Peter says is be faithful with all the gifts God has given you. Amen. Yeah. 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 I know. I just sometimes you feel like it's hard. You're yeah. not even making a difference. I'm like, well, if I'm not even making a difference here, God, why am I here? No one's listening. You are making a difference. I'm having conversations. But and then know, Satan's laughing as hell. Yeah. But maybe God's making a difference for you, too. Yeah, I know. Let's pray. <laughs> Father in heaven, thank you for the great, unconditional, and immeasurable love that you have shown to us to, um, and, and the unconditional forgiveness that you have covered us with. Help us to also receive the forgiveness that you grant to us for each specific wrong uh, that we do and each time we fail to do what you call us to do. So thank you, Father. Set us free from the accusations of the evil one and uh, help us to live in the freedom of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey everyone, just a reminder that this is Holy Week, so we have some special services coming up. On Thursday, April 18th at 7 p.m., we will be remembering Maundy Thursday, Jesus in the Upper Room. And on Friday, April 19th at noon and 8, we will be having our Good Friday services. 8 p.m. will be the Tenebrae service. And on Easter Sunday, We will have four different services, one at 6.30 a.m. off-site for the sunrise service. Please call the church office for details. And on-site at 8, 9.30, and 11. We hope to see you there.